tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Did Trump really cuss in the Oval Office? I don't really care. But I do care what that story was distracting us from. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6 is my normal time. I am getting closer, though. It is Saturday from 5 to 6, and I am making up those lost two hours by filling in for Erickson on Monday from 5 to 7. So check that out. Uh, It is Martin Luther King Day, and I am going to be telling you some deep history about the assassination of Martin Luther King that I would guess most of the people listening are not aware of. But uh, stuff you don't know about that, it's going to be interesting and also the news of the day. But there is something that uh, I'm pretty sure every single person listening, unless this is the only show you listen to, in which case you're a Monica Perez super fan, and I appreciate that. But if you listen to any other show, you for sure know that several people have reported that Donald Trump cussed offensively in the Oval Office. That is the news of the week. And we really need to talk about that every minute of every day, day in and day out, just so everybody knows that Donald Trump cussed in the Oval Office. So it was so offensive that it completely blew up All the hard work that these senators and congressmen put in to hammer out the perfect DACA fix immigration deal because of Trump's stupid cussing. (laughs) If you're not aware of this story, it's that uh, it's actually a fishier story than you're being told. Earlier in the week or maybe last week, Donald Trump had like eight or 10 congressmen and senators in his office. And he had a live, like for an hour long, live meeting. And you got to hear them all going back and forth about immigration. And it was a little confusing at times. I'm not, I wasn't hundred percent sure. Uh, he was sending a consistent message, but everything seemed honky dory. And then, uh, this week, you probably didn't hear this, but he actually summoned a few of those people to his office and they thought it was one-on-one stuff. So they just like dropped everything and ran to his office. It wasn't a formal revisiting of this issue. They weren't coming to him with a plan. Uh, Anyway, that meeting turned into this. He said, he said thing about uh, Trump saying uh, that some African countries were S holes. I am not going to join the bandwagon and start using vulgarity on my show. There's a time and place for everything. I probably use more vulgarity than any of the people on CNN who've been saying, quoting what Trump allegedly said directly all week long. It's as if they never use vulgarity and they're so excited. They have an opportunity to use vulgarity, which reminds me of something 
Binkley and I talked about the last time we were on the air. We happened to talk about the power of vulgarity when it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. Very powerful. I think there's something going on here with the vulgarity on the air. But but uh, but the story is kind of fishy because even uh, what what the plan they were supposedly discussing in this impromptu get together uh, had to do with Haiti and El Salvador, yet. The S-hole comment was supposedly about African countries that were not in uh, the topic of conversation, according to some of the more reliable sources, in my opinion, that I read. Uh, but but here, but it's just been taken to such a, an absurd extreme that today I was just like seeing if anything new came up, and I saw on CNN a a link to. A video, so it wasn't even like on YouTube, it wasn't a parody or anything, it was a video of a CNN anchor, uh, Allison Canesta, what's her name? I don't know, I don't watch CNN too much, but anyway, her uh, camarada, that was her name, Allison Camarada. She was reading a tweet by Bill Crystal, who's a National Review or Weekly Standard guy, like a real hardcore neoconservative. She can't control herself, she starts to cry. So I know, right? So, um, so, and I and I don't think she's the only one. Binkley, didn't you say Anderson Cooper was crying? Yeah, he was. I mean, look, I we're grown-ups, you know what I mean? I don't think anybody from Haiti or the African countries are crying. Like, you know, you, you get a little tougher than that when you have to emigrate to a new country and everything. I mean, sticks and stones, it's just taken to, am I being insensitive? Do you uh, think? I think Anderson Cooper would say that you were. Really? But I, I just think crying is excessive. But plus, this is the thing. I don't I think put you're in the context of, what, of how I view these things. So I'm not evaluating if he said it and what it meant and what the implications are uh, to like people's feelings and if it's uh, tantamount to a racial slur and all that. I, I consider politics to be what's happening now in D.C., as really, I think the, the my best guess is it's like Shakespeare said, like it's all a play and all the men and women merely players. And when your president has a star on Hollywood Boulevard, you know what I mean? It lends it lends itself to this kind of interpretation. And and my point is just that it seemed like a bit of a staged event. And, and what could po- what good could possibly come out of that? Well, if you think like I do, that there's that the forces that kind of really set big picture long term policy actually operate above or behind the parties that that they they kind of have a direction they want to go. And they just have to basically convince us to go along with it by, you know, fold into how they're painting Trump like they 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 a lot of articles lately and for a while they paint him as emotional or impulsive or worse than that, erratic, or unstable, or whatever. And what that does is it, it feeds fuel, it gives fuel to the fire for the left. But what it does is it gives him a little bit of cover for doing things that his base doesn't like because they're like, ah, that's just him. He's a take-charge guy. He's a doer. He's, you know, he's used to being the boss. And, yeah, he pops off, but he's got nobody to answer to and that kind of thing. And then if if this thing all ends up being... uh kind of a way to to blow up what was seeming to be a kind of sober, mutually agreeable mini deal on immigration. Um, if it ends up playing into the hands of the Democrats who wanted to 
use the uh, dreamer fix. That's what this is all about. People who were brought in to this country by their parents rather than on their own volition. And they've been here illegally ever since. And this is the only country they really remember. You don't want to deport those people. Both Republicans and Democrats say that. The Democrats have been wanting to use that as like a kind of take the budget hostage to get the Dreamer stuff passed. So on January 19th, there's a, um, you know, it's kind of do or die for the government shutdown. And if Democrats don't agree to keep it going, there's a problem. And if Trump thinks that's a sign or he portrays that he thinks that's a sign of bad administration, he's like, look, the Republicans couldn't get a Dreamer thing done. I'm going to sign off on the Dreamer thing to keep the government running. That's my job. And and all this stuff that makes him look impulsive or irrational or inconsistent or pragmatic will play into that when really, you know, I think the ultimate, ultimate big picture on immigration, I think the Republicans and the Democrats both at the at the political level, to the extent they're cronies or corrupt or work for the oligarchs or however you want to think about it. The reason they've that I think what we what's underreported, what we have not a full appreciation of is that I believe big business needs immigration to keep the wages low. And and I think that might be shifting towards higher skilled wages, like big tech needs lower wages. So that maybe is the origin of why we're going to change the nature of the visa lottery or the family reunification to more merit-based. That, that may well be playing into the hands of big tech. And I feel like the Democrats and the Republicans they both, you know, at that very high political level, you know, know where their bread is buttered and they have to deliver to the people who contribute to their campaigns or whatever. So ultimately, you know, I think that the immigration policy really always serves that purpose above all. And and when I see histrionics like this, I wonder if we're just we're focusing on that as if that's really what's happening, you know, like it's a soap opera, but really it's more sophisticated and there's big, big money at stake. So I'm going to watch this unfold. See, see what I'm, I'm sure there's an agenda at work. I just don't know what it is, but there's a bigger picture thing here that I've noticed. I, I, I do blow my horn on this one because I noticed it two years ago when Vicente Fox said on TV Trump's effing wall, but he said the whole word. And I said, it was so forced. It was so weird. I was like, this is launching a vulgarity psyop, a psychological operation. Vulgarity is being released like a virus into the mainstream media. And I've been taking off incidents of it for two years straight. I'm sure you heard it here first if you listen to this. So I want to talk a little bit about the vulgarity, um, the, the kind of bigger picture of why vulgarity is now playing a bigger role in the public forum. I want to get to that coming up. I want to get your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And Binkley, what do uh, the tweeps have to say about that? Any any comments? Yeah, we have one from N-O-Y-B. He says it's social engineering, probably a diversion from uh, many things that are relevant but that are kept away from the public. He... Uh, Yes, it's it is. I do believe there are elements of social engineering, which is what you touched on a, a couple of shows ago. So let's get to that at the bottom of the hour. What's the rest of that tweet? Sorry to interrupt you. He says it doesn't exactly damage the 25th Amendment storyline as well. And he goes on to say that it creates divisiveness, that profanity leads to racism, or at the very least, it allows the media to spin it that way. 
That's a lot to think about yeah. and talk about. I might want to let's take a quick break and then get back to all those issues. That's a, every one of those deserves a little attention. So let's get back to that uh, right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. High today of 39. Tomorrow's high 41. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we have a WSB weekend prize pack. It's a family four-pack of tickets to an Atlanta Gladiators home game at Infinite Energy Arena and four tickets to the Georgia RV and Camper Show January 19th to the 21st at the Cobb Galleria Center. The first to call 404-741-0750 gets that prize pack. I love the Gladiators. That should be super fun. Um, Do we have time... Binkley, we were talking about those tweets. Uh, real quick, re- everybody heard it, but look, read real quick again the two tweets that you read before the break because I really want to address the issues. Okay. I asked, I asked what the, why is vulgarity, why has it been released, and it was deliberately released into the mainstream media, what is the underlying purpose? And tell me what the tweet NYOB tells us. He said... Social engineering is probably a diversion from many things that are relevant but are kept away from the public, and it doesn't exactly damage the 25th Amendment storyline either. Then he goes on to say that it creates divisiveness, that profanity leads to racism, or at the very least, it allows the media to spin it that way. Okay, that's a lot of stuff. I'm going to take it backwards. I actually... You have to understand, I... (laughs) My father was a sailor, a meat cutter, owned a gas station and mechanic shop in Little Italy in the 60s. And when I was growing up, he was a truck driver. This was a guy who could cuss. <laughs> All right? This is how I was raised. And he taught me very uh, strictly that cussing, actually cussing and swearing were positively not allowed. But vulgarity was a personal choice that I wasn't allowed to make, but I have made it since then. I'm an incurable vulgarian. I can't get over it. It's completely inconsistent with my self-image as a poised lady. <laughs> my behavior is above board, but my mouth is in the pot. So, um, but it's, but there's a time and a place for everything. And I do not like it in the public forum at all. I don't like having to watch the radio or the TV when my kids are around. My son has Down syndrome. He's very vulnerable to that kind of thing. I don't like it. And I even remember when I was in business and investment banking, it was the time when they switched from like during the tech boom, the investment bankers went from wearing suits to wearing casual clothes like khakis or whatever. No ties. And I hated it. I thought it was a stupid thing to do. I felt that people really treated each other with respect and dignity, even just sitting up straight like you have to do in those clothes. It makes you a little more formal and that's more respectful. That's what, you know, in workplaces when people say sexual harassment and stuff like that, it's all part of the problem of being too casual and don't like it. So I agree that divisiveness leads to that rudeness, that casualness. So when people think, oh, Trump says what I say, yeah, but you're not saying it on TV. Like if you had your opportunity to be interviewed by Geraldo, you wouldn't just start saying things like that. Uh, so you yourself practice that also. So I don't like it. I'm not criticizing Trump for it. I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I think this is a bigger phenomenon that was launched by Fox, actually, Vicente Fox. And then the 25th Amendment thing is about him being maybe unfit for office. They can take him out. I was talking about that from the beginning, too. 
I, I, I don't know what to make of that exactly, but I actually have some interesting additional thoughts on the vulgarity thing, which is is may even lead to violence, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's important and a real sea change in our culture. So let's talk more about that after the break. You can give me a call if you want, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. I'm on till 6, but I started at 5. So if you missed some of the show or you didn't get your fix, you want to get uh, our podcasts, you can get this show, the show I do with Binkley called Propaganda Report. Go to PropagandaReportDaily.com and uh, you can subscribe in the right-hand column to listen to our podcasts. But if you want to hear more of me talking about my opinions on what's going on up to the minute, I am going to make up for a little lost time on Monday by filling in for Erickson from 5 to 7. And that is Martin Luther King Day. And I have some uh, deep history for you there, which you'll be surprised at how... uh, uh, that you don't know stuff that's basically undisputed, but completely goes against the official narrative that is still taught in school. So let's find out more about the Martin Luther King assassination and some of the stuff that's happening in the news uh, at the moment, Monday from 5 to 7 when I fill in for Erickson. But today, what we've been talking about, the news of the week, which which I really find to be, like, it's just actually sad when you think about how much airtime was spent on Trump's vulgarity and and the the reason that it's supposedly so bad is that it's uh, uh, tantamount to a racial slur. And my so so now they're saying that what he said blew up the immigration deal. So what they're telling me is that what they did by reporting this ad nauseum made the eight professional congressmen and senators. So Trump actually said, anything you bring me, I will sign, blah, blah. Uh, They're like, oh, it's blown up now. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen now because he said the S word. You know, I mean, it's like children. (laughs) You know, and the story of where he came from, like of of how he said that thing is a very fishy story. It was not an official meeting where they were making an official presentation. So I'm a little skeptical about the whole story. But uh, Binkley, we've got some tweets, right? Let's uh, let's start with some tweets. I'm going to go to Donna in just a second. Hang on. Um, Go for it. We have, as CNN would say, breaking news, a tweet from the president. Wow. Breaking news. We don't usually get breaking news on Saturday. I know. He just tweeted a few minutes ago. So much fake news is being reported, they don't even try to get it right or correct it when they're wrong. They promote the fake book of a mentally deranged author who knowingly writes false information. The mainstream media is crazed that we won the election. <laughs> they're crazed. Oh, see, this is like the dialectic. They're calling him crazy. Yeah. He's calling, And I actually, that's funny, I just played into that. With what I was saying is that these people are acting like children, and they say he acts like a child. Oh, no. But but it's all like, can we rise above it? And here I am talking about it. I'm only talking about it because we don't have a lot of time today. <laughs> I was going to talk about the real immigration issues, but people freak out on both sides of the aisle if you have any immigration thoughts that aren't like right in the box that they dwell in. So you really need more than a half an hour of talk time to talk about the real issues. But these people, CNN has more than a half an hour. They have 24-7. 
they could dig into the issues and they don't want to. Why don't they want to? I think because they know they'll get what they want if they uh, if they distract us with this stuff, um, you know, reality show stuff. So I want to I'll take a call and eight hundred WSB talk. I'm going to go to Donna. Hi, Donna. Uh, you're on Hello. with Monica. Yes, I have sort of a different perspective, and it is probably politically correct in most people's eyes. As crude as, as the president may have been, if indeed he said that, you have to look at the facts. I've either worked in or visited, if you were to draw a line down through the continent of Africa, which is a huge continent, from Egypt, which people forget. Oh, I'm sorry, those are my dogs. Oh, that's all right. um, to West Africa, where Namibia is, none of the nations work. None of them do. They can't. They can't. I'm so sorry. They I can't think educate, that's right. They can't I, educate their children. They can't feed their children. Um, citizens are perpetually arrested. There's civil wars. Rwanda, Uganda, Zimbabwe, Zaire. There is horribly sad. I don't regard that as a racial thing. It's just a fact. Can we talk a little bit about that? You know, um, we. Uh, Gaddafi, although he was a socialist, and I'm the furthest thing from a socialist, really, that you can get, uh, he, it's widely reported that he was going to do stuff that uh, kind of led Africa to have its own, uh, to kind of get back on its feet. And I feel like the influence of the Western countries is largely responsible for the fact that they can never get ahead, like the corruption from the outside in those countries and, and the financial aid itself. Is oh, yeah. very yeah. It's, corrupting. It's, 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 but I, I regard that sort of as like the, the American cities that are run by Democrats. They don't function <laughs> either. Detroit, Chicago. It, it's a value system. It's not a racial thing to me. Um, well, I do think socialism, even in its purest yeah. form, is kind of a recipe for disaster. Uh, well, but but corrupt. But it's, it's what it really is. Is it's a recipe for corruption, and that's well, what you get. There's no middle class anywhere much in Africa. Mm-hmm. You either have the ultra wealthy or the everybody else who are very poor. And I, I just think the facts are the facts, and they're sad and they're hard to look at. And um, I just I just think it's the reality of of what people get so offended by. People need to look at the truth. And, and make a dispassionate assessment. Uh, it's not about the souls of the people that are from those places, like Dr. King said. Um, the souls are the same, but the choices that these nations make and the bad, bad leaders and the corruption and the graft and the just plain theft and the murder, it's tragic. It's tragic. That that's a, actually a great point. I haven't heard anybody talk about the actual human suffering that uh, that whatever he said or whatever the realities are. It's always been true that these that the countries where they have very corrupt governments, often corrupted from the outside, are not. Uh, you know, those that's where you get immigrants from. Of course, is those oh, places leading that, which is understandable. Yeah, but but. The sad, sad reality is that many times these people immigrate here and they're unprepared for life here. It is so different. Yes. The education system that they may have gone all the way through just can't enable them to compete and they become dependents. And that's something that, that I think that in New York, for instance, this is also politically incorrect, but there's so many immigrants that have fled from socialistic and communistic countries that they don't see anything wrong with electing a communist mayor. Well, that's they, the, that's the problem. I, I got to tell you, that's the, that's the, that is why I think they had what was 
called Family Reunification in the 1965 uh, Immigration Act, which is what Trump is calling, people say offensively, chain migration, is to bring these people in. And I always contest it, and it doesn't have to be south of the border, north of the border, or do it too, that that's how they bring socialism in because they don't realize the reason they had to leave was that that system doesn't work. And it plays into the hands of the people here who would like us to move socialist uh, in the socialist direction. But I got to tell you, you brought something up. When my grandmother, um, her parents brought her over here as a baby, or I think she was born on the boat or something from Damascus, Syria. They were like Coptic Christians or some odd thing. They came over to, the, to New York 100 years ago, whatever. The mom died in childbirth. And after four years, the dad couldn't take it here. He went back to Syria and he left my grandmother in an Irish orphanage of nuns raised by nuns she was so she like had a broke she was a syrian girl with a broke but um but i'm just saying there was no safety net he could not assimilate to the culture uh economically so he went back and he wanted the child to have this better life but he just couldn't hack it and he had to go back and and what happens then you can i'm a libertarian you can have totally open borders when you don't have a safety net because you're really only getting the people when it's sink or swim the people who are swimming are the people who get it well, I, I respectfully suggest to these people who are so deeply offended, the facts are just so very tragic, and we have to look at them for what they are. And um, I just feel sad that people are missing the point. One of the things that I think nobody talks about is I thought things that are said in the Oval Office were meant to be private. And yes, I agree. It's actually a total breach of protocol, in my opinion, for people to leak it and for the media to report it. They act like they're holier than thou, yet they're the ones who are creating that problem. I would say, and one final point that I would like to make, is uh, that I, I have always felt that if we... See, we have totally violated our own principles in our socialism, in our foreign intervention, and all of that stuff. We have destabilized the system by this American exceptionalism, which, when you dig into it, really means we are the exception to this respecting sovereignty. We expect it, but we don't give it. That's really what it, what it means. That's the policeman of the world thing. Um, it's not American extraordinariness or the American experiment. It's something different. And once we stopped being that example, if we were an example of uh, free markets and free people, liberty and justice for all, other countries would have to follow suit. And I think we have we really uh, had the moral responsibility. Well, everybody has a moral responsibility to to be moral, but we squandered the opportunity to show we were so, so prosperous compared to everybody else in the like the. Eighth, the 19th century, and then the progressive movement started, and we started to lose that um, advantage, I think, on purpose. I think that the guys who want world government, uh, I think there's a quote from David Rockefeller actually saying, we've got to bring the East up and the West down so that we can merge them together. It's kind of interesting, but that's a whole lot of other stuff that I don't want to get into. But I did want to read to people what the 25th Amendment is in case that went over anybody's head. Thank you so much for the call, Donna. Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, which I heard was written in response to the assassination of JFK so that if the powers that be ever wanted to get rid of a president, they wouldn't actually have to kill him this time. So I guess that's the upside of the 25th Amendment. Whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments 
or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So the vice president, together with a majority of either, I guess, the cabinet, or if the Congress makes an intervening law that it's some other body, if those two, that body plus the vice president get together and say, uh, this guy is unfit, they will forcibly remove him from office until such time as he is fit. So this is what they're hanging over Trump's head. What do you think? You're shaking your head, Binkley. What's It's not going to happen. I think they're just filling the resistance with false hope so they'll go vote in November. I think it would be... Uh, here's the thing. Obviously, I think it's absolutely would be highly unlikely that it would happen. But crazy things have happened before. We have spiraled out of control in what I consider to be totally like lies go for truth. Decorum goes out the window. Illogic. You'll see these conversations on TV and they, this it's just pure illogic. So <laughs> I, logic seems to go out of the window. I don't know what to expect in the future. Uh, but I agree with you that the main purpose of trotting out this 25th Amendment threat is to get people to have hope that they can elect Democrats who will take them out of office. But what they don't realize is it's the vice president and the cabinet that has the power, right? Isn't the principal officers of the executive department? Oh, but or of such body as Congress may by law provide. So Congress could intervene and come up with an act yeah. that says it's this it's the indivisible editorial board. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> wow, that's some that's some uh, little loophole I discovered there. I wish I didn't say that. Maybe nobody would have realized. <laughs> Anywho, on that note, let's take a quick break and then uh, and we can wrap it up for this short show. Uh, right after this, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blew it up on News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. Mostly sunny with a forecast high of 47 degrees Monday, Martin Luther King Day, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And in case you didn't hear me earlier, I'm going to be filling in for Erickson 5 to 7 on Monday. Uh, before I forget, I wanted to say happy birthday to one of our best tweeps, Voracious Talk. I hope that you took an hour out of your busy birthday to listen to the show. Get your shout out. And... um. I do you have a tweet for me there, Pinkley? Weren't you saying a couple of good tweets came over? Yeah, there? I have one from Greg who tweets. This is for the same reason that Sumner Redstone promoted gangster rap on MTV. An uncivilized populace needs to be controlled. That is food for thought. What we were talking about earlier was like why vulgarity has been released like a virus into the mainstream media. These guys, at the same time that they're trying to convince us that they are the, uh, you know, the citadel of truth and decorum, and uh, they're, they're the ones who are perpetuating this. When I was growing up, my mother used to say, they don't have to say that. You know, I, just, I, I, was, I was young enough to be of the generation that was taught everything's freedom of speech and everybody should say everything all the time. And my mother 
was reading some popular book, Angela's Ashes or something, and she just put it down, probably threw it across the room. And I said, why, why would you write that about your own family? I don't understand. I said, well, but mom, it's true. She's like, you don't have to write it to make a buck, you know? You don't have to do that. So, however, she'll always defend your right to tell the truth. You know, if you, if you wake up in the morning like, oh, my gosh, I said that stupid thing. She says, was it true? So she defends your right to speak the truth, but she feels like there, there's some, you know, dignity in journalism, that there should be a real reason for it. And yes, the reason supposedly in their mind is to paint this guy as a racist so that anything you do. But if it's a good deal, if it's a good immigration deal, if they like it, why foil him because of your personal animosity? And this reminds me of what I want to talk about Monday, about the real story behind Martin Luther King's assassination. If these guys really want to strike a blow for justice, why aren't they talking about this, which is really provable? And uh, nobody ever talks about that. They talk about uh, how to interpret drunks, drunks, <laughs> Trump's <laughs> alleged vulgarity. Anyway, so, uh, oh, but wasn't, didn't you get another tweet? We, earlier on, so if you didn't hear this show, in a couple of days it'll be up on our propagandareportdaily.com. But at the beginning of this half hour, uh, Binkley read a Trump tweet. And I think, didn't you say you got a funny response already from that? Keith Oberman? Oh, yes. Okay. It wasn't you personally. It was... No, Keith Oberman responded All right, what was, to... What is it? What's the tweet? Keith Oberman says, hey, president of your own ego, anybody tell you an entire state was terrorized today because of a false alarm about a missile attack made plausible to them only because of your insane irresponsibility? Can you please get your head out of your bleep? <laughs> For five minutes. Bleep I'm keeping this I'm keeping this show clean. Right. Uh wow. That was jam-packed with what the heck are you talking about? He is blaming that the United States accidentally accidentally put out some warning to Hawaii, take cover missiles on the way. They left that out for forty minutes. Everyone's like, well, you know the government's so incompetent. I don't think so. I think they are truly trying to terrorize people as part of the North Korea thing. There's, they're not incompetent. If you know people in the military, you probably don't know anybody who's at a high level in the military who's just a complete idiot. And, uh, and they, that's not Trump's fault. Well, I it's mean, response testing. Oh, well, I thought of that at first, but I, I think it's, I think I, it could go either way. Either they're seeing how people respond. Or they're trying to terrorize people, or both. But it wasn't a mistake, like they said, and it certainly is not Trump's fault. You're not, people aren't in a normal state of mind. A responsible person, somebody untainted by Trump, would not think, well, I'm just going to ignore this warning from the government that missiles have been launched to my state that's been uncorrected for 40 minutes. I'm just going to... Nobody would ever believe that. <laughs> yeah, you don't think everybody went, just another reason to invoke the 25th Amendment. Yeah, dang it. Every, you know, and this is a place that is the only place that actually is vulnerable. This is where Pearl Harbor happened, you know? Yeah. Not the only place, but that's uh, particularly where you might want to have a bomb shelter. <laughs> anyway, so, and what was the ending? Have it, oh, take your butt head out of here. He butt. used the word that CNN and everybody's been using and take it out of your... Here. Yeah, I don't. I don't get. It was actually in the headline of the Wall Street Journal. 
It was yeah, in four out of seven of CNN's headlines on their homepage this morning. Doesn't it strike? It's like my my kids. Like they they think they can get away with <laughs> yeah. quoting no Uncle Georgie, the tri- friendly truck driver. Anderson, I, yeah, you know, and they and then, and if I don't like immediately jump down their throats, they like say it a thousand times. Like, did you did you see that what Uncle Georgie wrote? He said that blah blah. blah his <laughs> boss is a not no. His boss is a great guy. Never mind. Um, Anywho, that was a fun show. So it's fun hanging out with you, Binkley. That was too short. Thanks, guys, for listening. If you want to hear this or any of our other podcasts, uh, propagandareportdaily.com, or uh, you can tune in for more of this Monday from 5 to 7. This is Monica Perez. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.